Public, I just want to thank you for just seeing you, Lord, and for just all of us being able to come here and just fellowship and praise you, Lord, and just see your glory through, you know, all the people being here. Uh, I just pray through all these lessons and the Q&A that we can just learn, uh, grow closer to you, God, and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, thank you, thank you. So uh, what we're doing right now during this session is an opportunity for some uh, Q&A. So uh, any questions that you might have in regards to the classes that have been taught so far, uh, discipling, uh, you know, the six of us are up here. We've taught some classes. So if there's anything that uh, you would like us to elaborate on, feel free to raise your hand. And there's some people walking around with mics. Uh, so we'll go ahead and uh, kick that off. Any questions that you might have directed to anybody up here? We talk so well, there's no questions. No, yeah, that's a, there's a there's a hand back there as well. What was the for each of you guys as couples, I guess, what was your biggest sacrifice when it came to, you know, helping the kingdom and growing in that? I think for us, I don't, I'm, I'm going to speak for me, but I don't know, Maria, I think going on to the church plant, um, when you grow up in an area, and, I mean, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people, and O'Fallon and St. Charles, and just, my wife had been here, for me, uh, Christianity was here. And it was everything that I knew as a disciple, very comfortable, uh, comfortable with the people that were discipling me. I didn't have the amount of responsibility that I would have on a church plant and being a leader on that plant. So uh, leaving here and leaving the familiar and going to somewhere, even though it's only 20 minutes, 30 minutes over a river, uh, but a very different culture uh, from what O'Fallon is was I felt like a pretty big sacrifice, so. I think we'll all answer. Yeah. Uh, whenever Jesus said, I deserve to desire mercy and not sacrifice, how do you differentiate the two in your own life? Make sure that you're not serving as a, you know, uh, obligation. Union is like the Christian obligation, you know, versus actually having a heart for it. The spirit. I, I think, um, uh, you know, TC kind of mentioned, you know, said, you know, just your heart and your motive behind it. I think if your heart is uh, in line with what God is wanting to do with the sacrifices that you make. Um, then everything is going to fall in place. Of course, uh, God is merciful, and um, we get to experience that mercy. Uh, but I think as leaders, sometimes, sometimes the struggle is with me is doing things and serving in the ministry and remembering that it is truly for the Lord. It's not never for myself gain. Um, Ashley and I think over the probably the past five years have really just had some changes in our thought process as far as like you know uh, succeeding in life and su su having success in the world, but making sure that you're that, that we're teaching kids 
to use those successes as a platform for God, not a platform for self. I think, too, you know, you look at the, the New Testament, there's different times throughout it that, um, you know, uh, the apostles, the disciples will be called different places out of nowhere. Um, you know, like you got Philip going out from preaching to probably masses to one guy in the desert. Uh, you have others that were called to the waiting of tables and looking after orphans, you know, and widows. Um, but what you see, I think, a common thread in all their responses is, again, their obedience to God. You know, so there are times where um, God's going to call you to do something that you go, man, that's not exactly what I thought, <laughs> you know, or this isn't pretty right now, or this isn't fun. This is just hard. And but but I think you have to take on the mindset of I'm going to be obedient to Christ no matter what that looks like in this calling. And I think you'll be surprised how obedience to God and not yourself um, can flip your passion. You know, you can turn into passion for something you maybe at least expected. You know, God has a way of working on your heart when you just give it to him. So when you surrender, live surrendered, um, I think sometimes that stuff ends up coming naturally. You know, like that you never would have thought, you know. Um, we have people that work in the youth ministry with us that are like, I never thought I would have been working with, with teenagers, you know. Um, I didn't even like them, you know. And now they're like, this is crazy. I love these guys. So. It was a need, and they filled it, and their heart, you know, got behind it. Yeah, I think that's a great question, brother. Um, there's a sense in which uh, that Ashley just laid out that we are all uh, clearly commissioned as disciples to be out making disciples, and that's leading somebody to the Lord, and that's levels of leadership. Uh, but I do see a distinction uh, made in James 3 about not all of you should endeavor to teach because teachers will be judged more harshly. Um, you know, and that's something that uh, a burden that uh, that I take really seriously, um, and I think just just all all of us who do and, and would speak just need to need to have a healthy um, fear of of that what God says about uh, yeah yeah being judged more strictly. Uh, when my sister was in the hospital her last weeks. Uh, my family and I were on vacation, and uh, we stayed local because we knew things were bad, or, or getting bad. I remember Carrie called me and was like, hey, this is it. And I knew we were close, and there was that like, selfish, protecting part of my heart that was like, well, if it gets bad, let me know. I'm going to stay. And that was like my initial, and I'm like, kind of embarrassed to even say that. Um, but I was, I was hiding, and I didn't want to face the reality. And this is going to sound a little harsh. Uh, but Carrie's like, hey, your church is watching you. Your kids are watching you. The world is watching you as a, as a leader within God's kingdom. They're watching to see how you respond to faith. And you need to remember your call as a disciple and your call as a leader. And I just remember saying that's not fair. 
And he's like, well, the Bible never says it's going to be quote-unquote fair. But this is the reality of where you are. They're going to hold you to a higher standard, and they need to see you respond in faith. Now, there could be a worldly side of me that's just doing it for that, but I remembered, you know, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. The disciples and the apostles in the early church made sacrifices and things because of who they were in the kingdom that, like they talked about, left a legacy. And so I, I remember being like, all right, you're right. You know, I didn't like it, but it was like, you're right. And I had to remember my call as a disciple and as someone who I feel like God has called to, to teach and to, to lead within the kingdom. And so it, it doesn't always feel fair, but it is the call. And if any of you are aspiring to leadership, just know that it, it's, it's a big call and you need to be ready for whatever uh, the world of God throws at you. So. Yeah, and I just want to say one, one thing to that is uh, that all members of the church here, you're all commissioned to lead in one capacity or another. You're leading in your workplace, you're leading in your home, you're leading with your friend groups, you're leading in, in some capacity. So you have a responsibility uh, to own your faith and to share your faith and bring others to Christ. You leaders in here, um, there's an extra care of the scripture that you need to make sure that you're holding tight to. And, um, and and I think that's in reference to that passage that you're talking about in scripture. So uh, we just got done talking about sacrifice and going back to practical discipleship. When did priorities change for you um, as you're in a career, right? takes a lot of time uh, started my own business and I see, it feels like priorities are on spending time growing my business not necessarily staying up at 2 in the morning to take people home I'd rather go to bed early so that I can beat the heat the next day uh, when did priorities change what do I need to look out for so that uh, I can help myself uh, help our church um, a little background about me is, so when the church started, uh, I've, I've been a carpenter here in the St. Louis metro area for 20 years, uh, framed houses. I, I know what you're talking about, beating the heat, you know, trying to get up early and stuff like that. Uh, Ashley, um, uh, you know, and I have, have worked in the ministry that whole time, and uh, the priority for me that I always had to remember uh, was that... My role wasn't to become a great carpenter here. It was to mimic and exhibit uh, the ultimate carpenter so that I could have that reward at the end that bring as many to them as possible. And um, it's great that you guys are starting businesses. It's great that you guys have careers. I still, uh, I'm a business representative for the carpenters here in the St. Louis metro area while I serve as a youth minister with Ashley here with the church. So there's lots of times where I'm pulled in different uh, directions. Um, there's lots of things that I have to make sure that I say no to with work to make sure that I'm not forsaking ministry. And there's some things that I miss in ministry because there might be an obligation with work. But don't ever get your priority mixed up to think that growing your business or working in your career or saving up your wealth or preparing for retirement or doing this side or the other with the worldly things that will uh, extinguish at some point in time. Don't mistake in that to be the thing to live for today. Um, 
There's two things, you know, the, the word of God and the people of God. Invest in that. That's what's going to go to eternity with us. So um, don't let your career, bottom line, guys, don't let your careers get in the way. I never met a person at their deathbed who, who, who wished and dreamed that they would have worked a little bit more. They always thought about the people that they're going to miss and the memories that they have with them. Think about that. And I would say, too, just in my own experience, obviously, we get to be in a relationship with you, Joseph, and see your journey and be, just live life with you and Sydney. It is amazing, like in my personal experience, but then also in the experience of so many lives that I've witnessed here and back in Tulsa, whenever you seek first the kingdom, just the resource that God pours into your life. Like, I look at my friends who have super successful worldly careers, and I truly believe it's because they are seeking first the kingdom, and God chooses to bless them through that. And of course, it's not magic or a formula, but it's just proven over and over again as we die to ourselves and as we seek first the kingdom. Like, there are opportunities that I've seen people receive that if they were doing it on their own in, and they were prioritizing their career, they wouldn't have had those opportunities. If that makes sense, like God just continually places these things in their lives and these opportunities. Um, like I think of the Chambers and their journey through school and like their careers now, and they are like super successful. And any average person will look at them and be like, "Man, like I would love to live their life," but it's because they're seeking God and they're like, you know, they have this like super cool house and like super cool cars and all this stuff and that's not what they're seeking but God just continues to give to them not in a weird health and wealth way but just in a provision way it hasn't been easy and they would tell you that but man it is proven again and again yeah I think like putting some flesh on that I can remember early on in the campus ministry Kayla while in grad school coming to uh, all kinds of events where she's, she's there so she could be on mission and she's literally knocking out her homework. One that I think of was a dodgeball event. Uh, you know, obviously she wasn't playing, but she had dodgeballs that aired dodgeballs that, that went her way. But the kingdom was being stopped first. I think of Wes Franklin and his bar exam. He's, a, he's an attorney. Uh, but he was on our harvest uh, retreat with us, our fall retreat in the campus ministry, preparing for that test while studying with the guy um, that we ended up baptizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the bar, but it's about Bible, you know, our personal way discipleship study, right? And so um, that's just putting flesh on the folks that you know that um, have sought first the kingdom. And, and all really does mean all. Uh, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom as righteousness, all these things will be given to you.
you, you know, to, to understand and implement is that um, when you were baptized, you know, and you surrendered your life to Christ, I'm not saying that, like, everything just goes away and makes it easier, right? But you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, there is a lot more empowerment in you than your mind gives credit for. Um, you know, I think that's that's the one thing I, I look at my girls sometimes and they're, they're struggling with fear and anxiety. And I'm like, I get it. Like, I've been there. I understand. I sympathize um, with that. But the good news is it's not just me. You have an incredible backing. You know, you have the creator of the universe that crea created you. And he created you well. And he created you right. Um, but understanding that Satan will do anything to twist that notion and make you feel somehow, you know, unable or a little less than or a little more fearful, you know, or all these different things. Anything to stop you from really living to the fullness that God created you for. Um, and so we've been talking just a lot about letting God's, you know, like spirit work within you. I think, you know, it may sound silly, but I, you guys, we have to sometimes just look and go. Like, this isn't about me and my feelings. You know, I have a, I, like, it, telling yourself that. I have a big God, and at the, at the worst, what can happen to me here? You know, maybe you stand up or you push past this anxiety for this reason or that, and you get laughed at, or you get rejected, or we get whatever. But at the end of the day, what is the worst that's going to happen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push past these things, work towards, you know, what God will want me to work in my faith, and I'm going to receive a great life in eternity, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and so just really, I think, being connected, praying to God for that. Um, if you never, I was actually, I think I was talking to you about this, the Day of War. Um, if you ever read the Day of War books, um, you don't have to, but they're cool. And uh, there's a part where uh, David is based on like a David in the Bible, but kind of like it makes it, kind of like the Chosen does. You have like your own kind of concept to a degree, and um, he's talking about the covering, and, and the covering really is the Holy Spirit, um, and I'll have to get the quote for you exactly, because it's much more powerful than you got it. I made it my hey, appreciate that. Um, so he's talking about the covering, and he's talking about being in battle, and he says this, um, that night was the first time I understood the covering. The covering is the fire. It is the strength, the courage, and power Yahweh equips us with. It girds a man's loins when he needs it and lets a man know. Sorry, your thing goes off really fast. And he lets a man know that Yahweh forgives him when he fails. It snaps our legs when we need it. It speaks. What happened? It, it speaks Yahweh's wise counsel. It comes only when Yahweh, who alone is, from Yahweh, who alone is the shepherd that we need. And I read that one time and I was like, that's what I have behind me. It's, it's that covering. It's that, it's that thing within me that when I feel anxious or afraid or defeated, that snaps me into place, that covers me, that the blood of Christ is powerful and it works throughout me. And sometimes we just gotta, we have to die to the concept that that's not a thing. You know, and the world wants to push that you're incapable, that your mind is weak, that you have, and I'm not saying that there's not times and things. It's a whole other story for like medication things, but I'm telling you, as a society, we are over-medicating for things that I believe that if we really dealt with some of those things in our life and that we really grasped God's power, we would see a lot less of that and you would see a lot more confidence. 
and you back ready to me. Sorry. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'm sure maybe you've read that starting up in verse, verse 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness uh, be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So first thing there, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to get us to make sure that we're rejoicing about all the great things, right? Remember the Lord is near you, always, in your worst of situations, whenever you're in your mind and you're in your thoughts, and you're heading in a direction that maybe you shouldn't be going, remember that the Lord is near you. And that if you, uh, if you earnestly ask in prayer and petition, you will get the responses and the answers that you're wanting. Um, and I'm not to say that that's just, uh, it just all of a sudden goes away. But there has to be also a level of trust in the Lord to know that he will provide that. And I think that that's where Ashley is saying that, you know, the Holy Spirit can intercede and give you some strength in those moments. But trust that God is a just God and he is going to take care of you. And with prayer and petition, uh, great things can happen. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, but through consistency, you'll build your faith. Um, I just wanted to piggyback on all of that, too, and just say I know something that helped me a lot in addition to trusting the, the godly counsel in my life um, is the moments when I don't feel like I'm struggling with insecurity or fear or whatever it is, not using those in like a lazy way. Um, I think building on our faith and being prepared, you know, to give an answer for the hope that we have and also being prepared for anything that comes our way. Like we know that this life can be really tough and I've had this conversation with a few people too over the last week that we know that there are going to be really amazing moments in our future and really, really hard moments. But what do you do when you kind of have like downtime that maybe you actually like emotionally, maybe you feel a little bit better. Is that a moment to be lazy and just be like, oh, okay, I'm good with God now. Like I feel okay. But is that a good time where you could prepare and strengthen yourself to kind of have a game plan, have scripture ready? have resources ready, have people in your back pocket that you know you can go to, um, and again, always relying on God and the Spirit to help you through it, but He wants to help you in those good and okay times to be strengthened for the harder times, too. Someone had to make that here. I just want to say thank you. I said, uh, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Because uh, you guys already answered most of the questions I was going to ask. But uh, I do got one question for you. Uh, I heard one of y'all talking about this, but do y'all struggle with trying to help someone that's trying to get into the Word and uh, bring them into the church? Because I have multiple people that I have been struggling with. And um, it's just been getting hard lately. So I just need advice. I think Ashley hit on it whenever she was talking about the, the world is looking for reasons not to come. Not to come to faith, not to come to church, not to, to trust the words that you trust from the Bible. So having a consistency about your life that people can look at and be like, I know what their top priority is. I know they're committed and sold out 
the, to the mission of Jesus, Jesus Christ. And that comes in your work, that comes in your attitude, that comes in your emotions, that comes in the priorities with family and things like that, of having Jesus as that number one. And when in Luke 14, it says you gotta hate your father, mother, sister, brother, and all that, like Jesus is above that. Jesus is above your job and everything like that, they can look and see a consistency. And there's been people where it's been no, 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 no. And then when their life runs into a brick wall, they know where they can turn and be like, you know what, there's something different about that guy. And I got a text two weeks ago from a guy who I've known for 20 years, or more than that, 25 years. And finally was like, hey, what's up with this? And there was a lot of no's and a lot of like, I don't want that. But that consistency of life, and again, I have not been perfect, but they need to, they need to know where to turn whenever it hits it. Because not everyone's the good soil at this point. Some people are rocky, some people are thorny, and some people are outright hard and don't want anything to do with it. But there'll come a time where they'll know where they can turn. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna, like what you're saying with the soil, you have to realize, you know, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, where it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God. You know who makes things grow and you know your your obligation is to live an authentic life to speak the truth to them you know to do what you can but like tc said you know at the end of the day you know like i was saying earlier you can't you know we have free will you know and sometimes you have to trust the process that, that god and it's his timing you know that, that that person's heart will be shifted and, and changed and sometimes it's just not immediate and that's tough Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go right here. Yeah. Um, I know that Ashley said this morning, but I think all of you guys kind of touched on the idea of, like, giving a heart at the risk of it being broken. Um, I know for me, like, at the beginning of my walk especially, I felt like relationships was something that was very unsafe. And whenever I read that, you know, you guard your heart above all else, um, I almost felt kind of validated in that. So could you guys kind of talk about the difference of guarding your heart and having a hard heart? So, just when you started talking, um, it made me think about, so whenever I went through healing as a choice, so I, and it's funny, Antoine and I just had a conversation about this, but I have like zero traumatic experiences in my childhood, like none. So Brent and I had an interesting dynamic when we got married because he had quite a few that we blended and adapted about, but something that I wanted to heal from or gain tools to work through was apathy. Because that's my default whenever we, like we talked about, like everyone's talked about, have these experiences where, like, it just doesn't seem to be happening. Like when Rita talked about on Thursday night, just like, God, are you, are you here? Like, are things happening? Is this effort worth it? Is this what I need to be doing? which a lot of time involves having beautiful relationships with people. And I think, um, and I'll default to allow other people to answer as well, but like having a hard heart, you are not allowing your heart to be broken for people. Um, and I think you can have a guarded heart in the process of allowing yourself to be 
soft and hurt for lost people and people who are disciples and are not um, living in a way that glorifies God. And like I remember, there's a conversation, I'm gonna talk about you, sorry, but not, um, that Carol had with Ashley where she just basically laid out to her, because apathy is something that Ashley struggles with as well, and just frustration with people is like allowing your heart to be broken for people is a good thing um, because it means that you are you deeply care for them and love them um, I don't know if that was helpful but just the difference in those two uh, so what came to my mind uh, above all else guard your heart the true safeguard to guarding your heart, to guarding any of our hearts, is to fully commit our heart to Jesus. And when we do that, um, I, well, truly what, what I think we're being told to guard against is committing our hearts to, to lesser loves um, in any fashion or form. Uh, but when we commit our heart truly to Jesus, uh, then our heart overflows for, for people that he so loves. Um, so uh, just that there's not a there's not a conflict between giving your heart for people the way that Christ does and having a, a love that compels you to uh, risk vulnerability with disciples, uh, but also with a lost world. Um, that that is that is your your heart's going to be safe in the hands of Jesus, um, and, and while it will will hurt and and ache and break, um, God is. Faithful and sufficient, His grace will see you through those times, and, and will put you will put you back together. Yeah, I mean, I think hardening your heart, Alyssa, um, that's not guarding. That's not that's not a good thing for your heart. You know that. You know, um, I think you know there was a time in high school when I had been burned a lot, and um, I tell the story of teens probably heard it, but you know where I was just like, if this is how it is, I'm done. Like, I don't want to know people. I don't want to love people. I'll show up, you know, to church, and I'll be nice enough. But I'm done investing. Um, and I, I made a conscious effort to harden my heart. Um, and that ended bad. It ended in some depression. It ended up in thinking I didn't want to be alive and contemplating um, ways to not be alive. Um, and I was miserable. I was showing no one and crying myself to sleep at night. You know, um, and I remember my dad and my mom and other wise people in my life, you know, just telling me, you know, Ashley, you shut out all the bad, good for you. You know, you just shut out everything. You shut, you shut out everything. You shut out all the bad, no one can hurt you. And you shut out every ounce of good, good for you. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, right. You know, so just remembering like, yeah, you can shut out the bad, you can not get hurt. You know, but you're also going to miss out on all those other relationships and all the other good that God would have allowed to flow into your life because your heart was open to it. So what's worth the what's worth the cost? You know, you feel nothing, you cry yourself to sleep at night because your heart's hard, or you get hurt some and you realize that's the nature of that's the nature of the job. And Jesus made that clear in His example. Um, but also, look at look at the payoff. Look at the return, look at the joy. You know, you can't have one without the other, but one is well worth it, you know. I think, Neil, 
while you try to guard yourself and you try to prevent yourself from feeling the pain, um, the only reason why you could understand what real love is is by really experiencing pain. And if you guard yourself from all of the hurt that the world and people can throw at you, you're ultimately going to withhold yourself from the great love that is the opposite. Yeah, that, so on that too, there's a difference of, of allowing your heart to, to risk to be hurt than allowing your heart to be corrupted. Right there, that's what I always took the guardian of the heart to be, the, the lesser loves that Brent said. Um, there are certain shows I don't watch, certain apps I don't have. Um, one time where I gave a, uh, a girl gave me a ride home from Applebee's, which was about a mile from my house, we were talking, and when we got there, I was like, hey, we can continue this conversation, but not in your car. Has nothing against you, but I wasn't gonna allow my heart to have an emotional conversation in a closed space with a female. So guarding my heart against things that will steal my heart away from Jesus, away from my commitments in my life, um, is I think a big difference, and that's why I go with that guard your heart passage for myself. One more. Somebody who hasn't asked maybe a question. I got a question. No. Nope. This is for everybody but TC. <laughs> Everybody. I don't know if those brain school developed either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no lies detected. Um, so, as I've gotten older, I think it's something that we notice. It's hard to stay relevant in student ministries. I don't know if you guys have experienced that up there on stage, being more seasoned like me. Um, but I know a lot of people in this room probably have struggled with that same feeling of irrelevancy as we've gotten older. And so, my question is, how do you guys... What are some practical things you guys do to help keep yourselves relevant and aiding in student ministry and uh, to be able to disciple to a younger generation as you get older? Well, I like to say that you're aging. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, why'd you guys get into the oldest person on stage? Are you the oldest person? Yes, she is the oldest person. She's going to be 40 soon. Kids, listen to your elders. Learn from your elders. About a month? About a month or so? Okay, sorry. We just always end up wearing something when we were together. Apologies. Um... I like to throw out little uh, little turns that they use and they either put their hands on their face. Like, oh brother. You gotta learn the dances. <laughs> or a side eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like they're all they're all like they're like sneaking. Boy. 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 Oh brother. I am not boy. Oh that boy then. <laughs> that's it. I know I'm gonna be something, but I think that is a thing you you kind of do have to I'm like, tell me what that means. What are you saying? You know, because I wanna I wanna Play around too. I want to understand. Uh, I want to have fun too. So you know, you're asking questions. I, I seriously, I think you do. I mean, aside from if you are unable to handle like certain apps, you know, for like sin and struggle, I think practical things are. You do need to be like, <laughs> yeah, intentionally knowing your generation. You know, different like TikToks and different phrases. I would say that Jenna is is excellent at that. She she retains all the things and can. Um, be about as relevant as they are in a good time, um, which, you know, makes her relatable. Um, I think that comes with some, you know, wisdom and discernment, too. Um, but, you know, for me, like, I have felt like that, to be, like, I'm serious. Like, um, the older I've gotten, I'm like, I don't want to, they're not going to want to talk to me. I'm getting old. Like, I'm not as, 
I'm not as, I don't feel as cool. I don't feel as, um, um, I'm gonna get emotional. Relevant is needed. Um, and then I think for me personally, this may not be practical, practical, but I really have to rely on truth, you know, God's truth in that. Um, there's a reason he talks about the older men and the older women of the church, you know, um, teaching the younger. Um, you know, Timothy ends up being an incredible, I mean, I know that's the go-to, but Paul was likely considerably older, you know, than Timothy, and that was his guy, you know, it created an incredible legacy and a weight for him. Um, so, like, God, God doesn't, I'm not limited to my age, you know, at all. Um, in fact, the same way you probably feel, you know, Jake or some of you guys out there who are a little bit more seasoned like us, you crave the older example in that generation in that church, right? The, the kids, I mean, in really a way are no different than that, you know, and I have to remember that so that I'm motivated myself and I'm at peace with getting to be 40, not yet. I think just something that I see, um, you know, I'm starting to, to approach this a bit myself. I'm, I'm about to turn 30 in September. Uh, just 30? Yeah, yeah. So I, Child. I know, I, I'm young for like two more months, and uh, but I, I'm being predicted to be much older. So I just got invi invited by a... Uh, by some students that we're reaching out to to hang out with them for a 4th of July thing. And they had been speculating about my age when I gotten over there. And I shared with them that, oh yeah, I'm 29. And they're like, oh, I thought you were 35, 40. You know? And so I'm being perceived that way. Um, Roxanne is only two years younger than me, but looks much, much younger. She blends in much more with Camp Sage. But what I'm really getting to uh, is the examples that I see in, in Josh Wilson, who's approaching 50. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and in Lynn, um, honestly, who, and I'm not picking about age, but I'm saying like people further along, they've retained their playfulness. And so that's really appealing and attractive to younger people. And so that's something that, that I see that, that they've done. They, they laugh, they're silly, they'll, they'll goof around uh, with folks. And so that's something that uh, that I see working, and something that I uh, am wanting to be uh, more intentional with. All right, um, appreciate the questions, guys. And it, it, we're we're going to be here the rest of the day and tomorrow. So if you guys have other questions, please feel free to uh, uh, pull us to the side and, and ask us anything that you guys have. Appreciate appreciate you guys. Love you guys a lot. When we end in prayer, and then it. Is there someone going to tell me what the next step is? I'll pray and then someone do that. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the words that you've left us and the example that you've given us uh, in ministry. Um, for the people who have uh, blazed the path ahead of us, uh, God, help us to mimic that faith and that fire and that passion. Um, and for the ones that are going to be the next generation uh, leading in our churches, Father, help them to uh, have an open, humble, soft heart to learn um, and to grow, uh, Father, and to learn to lead and to love. Um, thank you for your son, and we praise in his name. Amen. Amen.